Welcome back to the show. We're about to learn the secret sauce. So, Kimberly, thanks for making the drive over. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, and now that we're recording, I just want to say I love the pen. Uh, we'll probably get a, maybe we get a close up later. Get a close up, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's Black History Month. <laughs> it is, it is, and I like you know, like I'm in Oakland. I live in Oakland, and you have to kind of represent. What yeah, yeah. That represents and Black Panther Party and Oakland, California, and all that history. So I thought I'd. Wear How this long have you been in Oakland? Only about two years two in terms years. of living, like right in the middle of the pandemic, me and my daughter moved over from San Francisco in the city, but we've been working and going to school in Oakland for almost 10, 12, 15 years now, but never made the move until the pandemic. Okay, well, welcome. This is It's lovely here. I've been here. Yeah. I've been here for actually nine years. Okay. And, uh, my kids go to school here. Uh, I don't think I'm ever going to leave. You're never going to leave. Yeah, I mean, in, until like this thing exits and I got a, a nice little, you know, nine-figure deal or whatever. I love it. Uh, I love maybe it. I'll get a house in Hawaii or something. Oh, that sounds good. I might join you down there. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll stay in touch. All right. But I, I reached out to you because I've known of you for a while. I mentioned mm-hmm. I saw you at GitHub Universe talk about Black Girls Code mm-hmm. and uh, founder of Black Girls Code. Yes. An amazing initiative and you've impacted tons of lives. But did you want to just give us like a quick spiel of what that was? Yeah. So, you know, my daughter and I moved to the Bay Area back in 2006, and I was working in the biotech industry at that time. And she was a kid that I would say was interested in technology from the standpoint of being a gamer. Like, okay. and, and she still is. Like the Roblox, I guess that's unfortunately. The, the Minecraft? No, that Not wasn't even, that, even like... the, there then. This was like Dungeons and Dragons and World of okay. Warcraft. Yeah, so like oh, this okay. kid was playing like World of Warcraft and like Nintendo games, but yeah. like anything that was really gaming related, she was into that type of stuff, but not like necessarily coding. Um, but she was also sort of proximate to technology, if you will, because I worked in biotech and I would take her with me to work on, you know, bring it out of the work day or whatever. I just would take her to work. And so she was around science and STEM, but she didn't really, I think, connect what I was doing on a day-to-day basis with the stuff that she liked until maybe around middle school. I was able to put her in the summer camp down in Stanford and it sort of changed her whole, I I would say trajectory. It definitely changed her whole trajectory in life because she is now working in the industry. Um, But it changed her perception of what she could do via technology and from computer science perspective. And she could go from actually being, you know, a player of these games to creating them. And so her whole world view of what she wanted to do from a goal perspective changed. And it was that that really drove me to leave corporate America and get into nonprofit like I was certainly not intending to, intending to go into nonprofit before um, had no interest in, in that um but it was this this fear i had if you will that if my daughter did not have a community to learn these skills with um she may not stick with it yeah. you know, she may lose interest or she may be discouraged and so i just sort of started this little after school thing on the weekends And it grew from there to this really small group that was really like six girls that was in her little golfing group. (laughs) They started code on Saturdays. And that became this organization that's impacted thousands of girls all over the U.S. and beyond. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing because I remember growing up, I was knowledgeable in computers. Like we had a computer in our apartment complex. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. So like 
in the main building where you go to the leasing office, there's a computer lab or not even a computer lab, one computer. Yeah. And some of the older kids in the neighborhood would teach us like, hey, this is how you run these games. And then yeah. that's how me and my – I have a twin brother. Yeah. We'd learn how to like run DOS and everything like that because I'm, I'm a bit older than your, your daughter. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's how I got like really experienced in computers. But I didn't yeah. ever think, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to college for this mm-hmm. or I'm going to like do more – with this or create my own programs and games. Uh, And I I wish I had something that pushed me to that. Mm -hmm. And like I even, I was in the gifted program because like we were, we grew up in the white neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's outside of Tampa in the suburbs. So like they had the gifted program. That's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, like yeah, the yeah. gifted program. And what I that was is. in the gifted program too. So like we can really have a conversation yeah, yeah. about but, being tracked as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. but it, you know, it's, what's crazy about this is my twin brother, the reason we went in the gifted get get program yeah. is because we had like a, some tragedy to happen in our, in our house when we were really young. Mm-hmm. And like my brother had like a lot of emotional things that he was going through. Mm-hmm. And they ended up testing him because he thought he had a learning disability or something. Mm-hmm. And when they tested him, they're like, wow, you'd actually test it off the chart. Yeah. <laughs> you should be in the gifted program instead. Mm-hmm. Like maybe just not, you're just not doing enough. Yeah. And then they tested me and they're like, oh, wow, he's even higher. Yeah. You, both of you twins in the gifted program. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I got exposure to computers even more Lego, yeah. Lego Mindstorms and stuff like that was yeah. like just starting. And, uh, I appreciated all that. But then when I got to high school, it was like, Oh, I just want to play sports and mm-hmm. do whatever. And this not even care about school as much as I, I could have. And then I'd end up going to college with a finance degree that didn't do me anything. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I appreciate things like black girls code because they, it, my son, who's now nine years old, Mm-hmm. Like he's doing computer courses after school downtown yeah. in Oakland. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, it's fantastic because he he wasn't interested, mm-hmm. but he is a Roblox kid, mm-hmm. and uh, he is very interested in doing more with Roblox. So I'm like, okay, do you want to do a class? Yeah. So the funny thing about it, though, like you say, like you're you're older than my daughter, but you probably might not be that much older. But she's 23. Okay. But it's interesting though that even being in that generation, so Gen Z. And living in San Francisco back in 2010 and 2011, there was not a lot. So, like, that was still sort of the beginning of this movement with kids yeah. learning to code. Um, it was at the, 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 I would say, the beginning of that momentum starting to build. And by the time she was ready to go to high school and we were looking at high schools and going through this rigorous process. So get ready for that because it is a process. Yes. And we were looking at high schools and most of the high schools in San Francisco and even in Oakland did not have any rigorous curriculum around computer science. Like they was like, oh, well, we have a design class here. And I was like, yeah, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, do you teach Python? Are you teaching anything around Java? Like, do you have a CS, APCS class? They didn't have that. And so it took me a minute to find a school that had even a little bit of a formalized education at that time. Now, this is back in 2013. 13, 14 or so. Okay. And then the momentum really started to grow with organizations like Black Girls Code, Code.org, Girls Who Code, etc. that really start to push the needle a bit on after school programs like the ones your son is in, but also in educational settings in school. Because I think what we realized at Black Girls Code is that 
we were only an extension of what should be happening in the school systems. We yeah. cannot replace that, right? And we just don't have enough time or resources. But schools needed to do their part because that's where gifted students like you will first be exposed, if you will, yeah. to the skill set. Because otherwise, they wouldn't know to come find us yeah. unless a parent like you or a parent like me was like, hey, you need to be in this class. Yeah. And so I think that's the equalizing piece of it is that the more we can make sure that it becomes a part of curriculum, just like math, science, and uh, you know, arithmetic and all of that, it won't get to the folks that need it the most that are on the margins. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. And that, so you've got this after school program, uh, meeting coding with like the small cohort of your, and you, you sort of skated by the sort of golf. Yeah. Kids. <laughs> like that's a whole other thing. First like, tee <laughs> golf though. But the same tea. thing okay. even with that, it was like the first tee program that teaches kids that are coming from these marginalized communities about golf and golf and skill sets beyond that, it actually teaches real life skill sets. But like we even just sort of fell into that because I was a golfer and I would yeah. take my daughter to the golf course. Okay. And these other black moms from First Tee saw us and was like, that's a black lady and her daughter. Let's go talk to them. But that, that's how the community is formed. And like right. you, you don't see yourself, you don't know there's an opportunity for you. Absolutely. And uh, so like my, my son actually is also doing this like, he, he does not, he did it in the summer which is this ninja warrior class uh -huh. and they just teach him how to jump on stuff and do parkour, which ah. is, and he also did like the uh, gymnastics <laughs> at UC Berkeley. Uh -huh. And like, I get it. Cause like now I have money. Yeah. Cause I didn't money until I joined, like got my tech job. Yeah. Uh, but now I can go put him in places. Cause I think there, a lot of people realize you think of like, Oh, if you, you know, you're in the neighborhood, you gotta go sports or you're you're gonna go into music. Right. And there's a shift that happened in sports pretty quickly in the mm -hmm. last like ten to fifteen years, where all the people who are even the, all the NBA stars all went through AAU, all went to camps, all had trainers. Mm -hmm. And like when you look at Steph Curry and Seth Curry, like their dad yeah. was a player. Yeah. When you look at um um uh, what's the other guy? Clay Thompson. Mm -hmm. His parents were like his dad was a coach in, in college. James Harden went to AIU. Like all the big names outside of LeBron, he's like mm -hmm. the one that like came from the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. But everyone had a, a path to get here, yep. and uh, that's been the transition. That's the also just the same transition in tech, yeah, as well, where you now have the people who built the internet. Now their kids are Absolutely. going to build the next thing on the internet. Absolutely, and I, and I think when you. Um, asked about my origin story like that is a key piece of it so yeah. like you know what I said we were living in San Francisco at the time I was working in biotech so even though I was a black woman in a male-dominated industry I still had privilege right because yeah. I had this biotech job I had a certain level of income so I could afford to go take my daughter to this very expensive class down in Stanford and you know she's the only black kid in the classroom and just a few girls and that just didn't feel right because like I didn't grow up in like probably like you I did yeah. not grow up in that environment so had it been me I would have never had that opportunity because my parents couldn't my mother was single parent she wouldn't have been able to afford that and so it set with me and I, I even was like you know like that's okay I'm just gonna take five girls from the golf course and put them in the class next summer that's literally what I was thinking initially and my friends were like no you should create something like this yourself and that kind of started me on my pathway but I still you know think about as opportunities change how how do certain kids in certain communities get left out 
because talent is everywhere, but it's just that access and opportunity, which doesn't reach everybody in an equitable fashion. Yeah. And that's the thing I'm going to right now, which is I'm currently raising around for extending what open source is. Yeah. And I got this analogy from a founder who went through YC and he said that basically when you go pitch VCs, they always are looking for the reason why this is not going to work. And they're looking for that Mm -hmm. risk of like, that's too risky, not doing it. So like, it's almost the analogy is like you hold a balled up piece of paper, which is like your company or your career over a trash can. And they're just looking for a reason to drop it. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. (laughs) And that's, that it's a lot of times because like, I'll mention a bit of my my origin story as well, because I I got a finance degree, but went into sales because I couldn't Mm -hmm. get a finance job. Uh, I graduated 2008 during mm-hmm. the last recession. Mm-hmm. And I remember having my finance degree, trying to get a finance job at like one of the biggest companies in my small town. And I went to the interview process and it was just kind of like they were drilling me, asking me the, um, I remember getting the question, like why are manhole covers round? Which is like the age old question for like, it came from Microsoft back yeah. in the day. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, this is like, we're in Clearwater, Florida. Like, <laughs> why are you asking me this question? And uh, but he's just asking me like all these sort of brain tweets. I'm not not even coding program. It's yeah. just like like what's your experience? Like have you did, have you used Access? Yes, I know Access. Have you done this? Have you done that? Like how would you do that? Uh, yeah, okay. I heard the answers, and uh, I didn't get the job. Mm-hmm. And then after that experience, it that was a temp, and then it was an internal sort of con- like go from temp to full time uh, with my degree, mind you. He emailed me and said, hey. Uh, you didn't get the role, like, sorry, it didn't work out. Um, and then he could have stopped there. But then he said, maybe think about applying the jobs you have the skill set for. Oh. And that was like, that was a thing that was like a gut punch. And yeah. I was like, that's interesting. I don't know why you went that far. Mm-hmm. I could have been like, because mm-hmm. my, my standard, like my standard response is like, oh, no worries. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah. Best of luck with growing the team. Yeah. And like every job I didn't get, because I applied to a lot of jobs out of college. And I was just like, oh, that's interesting. Um, so it became my fuel of yeah. like, okay, I guess this guy doesn't think I could do it. Uh, so I ended up, I, I taught myself how to, well, I knew BBB uh, script because of high school. I took one course mm-hmm. uh, that I was, it was a random course. I don't know why it was in my curriculum uh, for school. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would automate in my temp job, all these large Cisco deals yeah. and use VB script to take it from a PDF to a, uh, uh, to access. And I automated what took like 90 minutes to like 30 seconds. Mm, I love it. And uh, that's when Netflix was on the phone. Yeah. Uh, it came on the iPhone. Yeah. So I would just watch Netflix all day <laughs> until my boss was like, hey, why are you always watching your phone? And I was like, uh-huh. oh, I wrote a script to like do my job. And like, what? <laughs> so I, I taught it. the entire team that. Yeah. And then the entire organization knew those were using my scripts that I wrote. Uh, and then I ended up getting promoted and then eventually mm-hmm. got a sales role and I, take, I got promoted three times because I would just automate myself. Like yeah. LinkedIn came out yeah, and I had no network with finance degree. So I used LinkedIn as like my network, my end, mm-hmm. but no one else in the company knew what LinkedIn was. Oh, wow. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, just learned about LinkedIn. And that's how I'm doing all this. I all love deals. it. I love it. So there's a trend happening right now where more and more startups are starting with open source first. If you check out any of the batches of YC, you'll see more and more open source companies now submitting applications to YC and getting in. Now, this is a good trend because the scale and velocity of what you can do and grow through open source is off the charts. Now at OpenSauce, we are invigorated by providing actionable insights. Insights at OpenSauce.pizza, it's a platform to get intelligence on your open source projects. So if you're a company and you're up and coming through either YC or you're a Series A company who's looking to get their next round of funding and grow community, 
we have the platform for you. If you're interested in growing your project and growing your open source community, definitely check it out and let us know what you think. I think that that those shows how innovative, you know, and talented, you know, folks get overlooked yeah. all the time because of this thing called pattern matching that we yeah. talk about all the time. So like, yeah, they're looking for reasons for it to fail. But I think when it's folks that live on the margins, they also have blinders where there's bias, whether implicit or, or you know, not intentional bias, where they can't see that you could do this role or yeah. they can't get the motivation to bet on your potential right and because i think in the in vc and investors they're always saying like well yeah we want to see the solution but they're really betting on the founder yeah it's really not that thing so like yeah i get it they're trying to make see if your project or your product is going to fail but nine times out of ten in the beginning they're betting on the founder yes. because you're gonna fail as a founder that's how you learn yeah. that's how you get to a unicorn like you airbnb didn't start out airbnb yeah. Facebook did start out Facebook. Come on now. Like, we know what it started out. Yeah. So I think for me, that's been sort of the frustration that I have continued to have with the tech industry is that even when we prove that we do have these skill sets, there are these biases that don't let us get to the next step. There's barriers, barriers, and barriers. And I think that, for me, is the next thing we have to solve for. Yeah, which I, I want to skate right to, like, what you're doing today. Because, yeah. like, definitely Black Girls Code, it's still in existence, like, a lot, of, a lot of girls and now women have yes. gone to the program, yeah. including your daughter, which you, uh, she, you said that she's in the industry. Like, what yeah. is she doing today? So my daughter graduated last year, hallelujah, and she is now working at Microsoft. So she's a product oh, nice. manager at Microsoft. You know, she stayed with it, you know, even through the ups and downs. She came out and now is like really starting to build her pathway in the industry. But also she's a Web3 artist and an engineer in Web3 as well. So she's been able to find, you know, a path to like do her passions and also really crack this code of getting in. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Good on to her. Thank you. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. to me, like, I did <laughs> Yeah, yeah, work. you did it. <laughs> yeah, you, you drove her all the way down to Stanford I to get did, her started. I did. I want to take a little bit of credit, but I think the rest was all her. Yeah. yeah. So tell me about the uh, the Black Innovation Lab. Which yeah. So as we were talking earlier, like, when I was really looking at moving away from what I had been doing and spending my time and focus on for the last 10 years, I was really sitting with, okay, what is next for me and what do I want to, what do I want to do and, and where do I find that I have the most interest and passion and uh, I, I think motivation even, if you will. And I found that what I really love to do is like talk to founders. So like I was talking to you about your company, like when we first came in, but I love that because I just love talking to other builders and like sharing experiences, giving advice, but I wanted to do more than just be a mentor and give advice. I wanted to really help accelerate these companies. I really wanted to be able to write a check to these companies. And so I came up with this idea of creating this network of innovation labs, particularly in the Southern states, because that's where a lot of black and brown people live, not on the coast necessarily, they're in the South. And so I found an opportunity to go back home and build this very first black innovation lab in my hometown which is Memphis, Tennessee, yep. and really, I think, create the safe space, if you will, for founders that have an idea or maybe they have a little bit of traction and they need that first bit of C funding to get support to get to the next level. And so my 
big vision, I think, would be for us to be able to support a thousand black innovators in starting their companies, starting with the Black Innovation Lab in Memphis, but then spreading in other places throughout the South. Yeah, that's amazing. And yeah. I, I appreciate you going back home to do this as well, because there's yeah. so many people, because I'm from Florida, I'm, grew up outside of Tampa, mm-hmm. uh, but there's so many people when I go back home, they're like, it's almost as time had stood still for them. Yeah. And when I go yeah. back and I'm like, oh yeah, I started a company and yeah. like, I, their brain melts. Yeah. Well, the thing about it is interesting. Like I have never been one to say, oh, I want to go back home. <laughs> okay. Like Oakland, California, Bay Area is my home. Uh, but home always calls me back yeah. for some reason. So like when I really started to incubate this idea of creating these labs, initially I was like, I'm absolutely building the first one in Oakland. Like that's a number, no brainer. I'm building in Oakland. And this opportunity just sort of like came across my computer screen and on Twitter one day. And I was like, wait, what? There's this building that used to be an HBCU and they're going to tear it down, but someone's trying to revive it. I was like, I need to be there. And I literally track just like you did on LinkedIn. (laughs) Shout out to LinkedIn. Right. I went to LinkedIn and I tracked down the developer of this project, which is a sister who's an urban developer that was living in Puerto Rico. And I used my network to get to her. And I was like, Hey, I got an idea that I'm incubating and I would love to put it there. And that's how the project started to grow. And it was interesting. She's also from Memphis, but she was living in Puerto Rico and helping there with the hurricane. And she got pulled back as well. So now that we we laugh and joke about how the city home always pulls us back and how many of us that are working on this project have learned these skill sets elsewhere. But now we're coming back home, you know, to build and give back all that we learned to the city that, you know, where we were born. Yeah, that is, that's amazing. I, I didn't yeah. ask if you did you go to HPCO? I didn't. You didn't? Okay. I didn't. I did not. I went to a PWI. Okay. So I didn't even go to HBCU, but I wish I had one on the Howard. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I wish. Same, yeah. Yeah. I, had, I, I didn't even apply, but I, I know a lot of friends that went to uh, Florida A&M. Yeah, uh, and, Yeah, and that was, the, that was the school that everyone in my school was going to, and I was like, ah, I'm just going to stay home. Yeah. And I, I stayed home and went to Tampa and then yeah. commuted back and forth. Yeah. But in hindsight, I, I really, I want to push my kids to that. Yeah. Cause that I, was always one of my great regrets. I was like, oh, I should have went to Howard. And I would have probably transferred to Howard, but... I, long story. I didn't. Um, but now I think of, of, you know, really in my work, how I can help and, and create a pipeline from HBCU students that are coming and participating in a Black Innovation Lab. That'll probably be one of our biggest sources of deals, I think, is really linking with these HBCUs and these places that we are looking at. Yeah, and that's, that's what I want to do. I told you about Floss yeah, and Code. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we definitely want to revive that once we get a little more traction for what we're doing with, yeah. the, with the actual company itself. Yeah. Uh, but for folks who, don't know floss and code was atlanta hbcus we partnered with ohub and got cs students in the summer uh, during summer to come and do open source with us yeah and uh one of the one of the ladies who went through that she actually got a job uh she had an internship at apple and she wrote a whole linkedin post about her experience because one of the things we did it's like do an open source contribution Mm -hmm. and then take your contribution and write a linkedin post uh-huh. about what you did on GitHub. Yeah. Because not a lot of people realize, like, when you do stuff in the open, like, that's your resume. Like, Absolutely. People will find that. But Absolutely. sometimes, like, on GitHub, it's hard to find the stuff that person's done mm-hmm. if they're not somebody who's already up here. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. she did that. She got an internship at Apple. And I think she actually works at Microsoft as well. That's now. fantastic. Yeah. So I think that there's such a wasted 
pool of talent that's being overlooked for for yeah. many different reasons. And so part of what I really want to do with Black Innovation Lab is is make sure that talent gets seen and make sure they get funded. Yeah. 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 And yeah. that's the thing. It's like you, you, you've been doing uh, the sort of community nonprofit stuff going on. And there's definitely like the, the the women now who have been impacted, including your daughter. Yeah. They're now at Microsoft or at these other jobs and they have that exposure. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the same thing when I went through, I, I did an online program called Block and I, that's how I learned how to code. Yeah. Uh, so I built, um, actually, I don't think I even talked about this to you or on the podcast yet, but mm-hmm. I was in a sales job. My son was born 11 weeks early mm-hmm. and uh, which meant we had to be in the hospital. Every day had to go home. So every other day we stayed the night there and every other day we went home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was 25 miles. Oh. Because it was a, it was a neo- uh, intensive NICU. Yeah. Because uh, he was one pound, 14 ounces. Mm. And so I had an idea for an app, uh, which was called Choich. We put the Y in church. Uh-huh. And it was basically Yelp for churches. Ah. And I was like, uh, sorry, I, I, did, I did a whole LinkedIn <laughs> post under this morning. So it's yeah. like top of mind. Yeah. Uh, but I ended up uh, building that and uh, just like had an idea. I was like, I'm going to Google how to do this. Because going back to my original, what I was saying, my origin story, it's like I was like computer adjacent. Mm-hmm. I can do a JavaScript or I can do a quick little action thing, action script to do some flash stuff. And I like figure it out. Uh, mm-hmm. Me and my, t- my twin brother, we both like this computer literate. But just never knew you could do it because everyone said, like when I was trying to do iOS programming, right. the first thing they do when you get the Objective C Big Nerd Ranch book, you read, like I read the preface because I'm like, I'm going to read everything because I'm going to learn how to do this. Mm-hmm. And the preface is like, before you do this book, go buy this, the C book mm-hmm. and go learn that. And I'm like, yeah. okay. So I'm going to get the C book. And before you, you write, you read this book, you got to go get an assembly script. Yeah. Book. yeah. And I think that's an awful way to start the Big Nerd Ranch If you got to start with assembly. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, what, why? So I give up. I basically, I failed, yeah. walked away from that. Yeah. And uh, so then when I had this idea for an app, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. Because like I didn't do it the last time. I'd always been like adjacent to this and I'm seeing all these other people start their startups mm-hmm. and uh, all these companies like Facebook and I read the Google book uh, into the Plex mm-hmm. about their story and I was like, I could do this. Like I've got the tenacity, I've got the grit, I could do it. And uh, I had to like psych myself up to do it and I did. Mm-hmm. It took me 17 weeks from idea to shipping it and it. then uh, did that and then I started going to meetups and got a job. Uh-huh. And um, But I guess I, I bring that up because like the Black Innovation Lab, the, the best thing about this is like it might start with one city. It might yeah. start with a handful of people pitching their companies. But what happens like five years, 10 years, and then the companies that for the people that they, they hire right. in their city, right. then those companies that come out of those companies and now everyone's like, oh, Turns out we can do this. Right. Because this person did it or that person did right. it. Right. It's interesting because, you know, when I was kind of really sitting with what I wanted to do next, I wanted something that would leave a lasting legacy. And I, I certainly think Black Girls Code will do that, but I wanted to go deeper. Like, I yeah. really wanted to, like, make a generational shift. And so I was like, yeah, I have to do something that gets us closer to this notion of what ownership means for us, especially as an African-American people here in the U.S. And this, I will say this, this passion of mine is creating opportunities for other innovators to innovate. And and other folks like you and I like to find their path and know that they can do these things. And I think that is the ongoing legacy of Black Innovation Lab is doing that. You know, despite how many companies individually we help, 
all the people that will see that it's possible and that we've been innovating all along. And now we are doing this in the technology industry as well. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And uh, I'm curious, like, um, I don't know if you have numbers up top of your head, but if you have stories of folks who went through Black Girls Code or you've been associated with since then, Mm -hmm. um, like... Any sort of impact stories that you could share with people who've been impacted through? Well, your I work? think, you know, there's so many. Like, I think when we were talking to, like, my daughter graduated, she stuck with computer science, she's at Microsoft. I have students that are in the gaming industry. I have folks that are working for folks um, like Apple, folks that are working for, like, smaller startup companies, and, you know, many of the girls that have become leaders that are just doing things in their own communities, either at their schools and their universities, even if it's like social justice movements, they're doing that. Because I think part of what we saw as part of Black Girls Code is that, yeah, we were teaching coding skills, but they also were becoming very strong leaders. And I think that is the most important thing because whether they go into, you know, we have folks that are at pre-med. So like whether they go into medicine, whether they go into technology, whether they become an entrepreneur is them knowing that they can be a leader and that they can find their voices is the enduring benefit of being a part of our program way beyond, you know, learning code or Java. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say hundred percent again, because I agree with you on that. And I think that the one thing that got me to build the app that I built in 17 weeks was because yeah. open source. Yeah. And it's because I, when I was Googling, I was finding solutions and I was finding curriculum and documentation mm-hmm. to say, oh, run this script on your computer. If this breaks, here's mm-hmm. the answer on Stack Overflow. And I did, I never had that. Like when I was tinkering with code, I would always t- ask friends. Like, I didn't have a lot of friends that didn't, didn't do this, but mm-hmm. or we would just go in like weird, dark corners of the internet and ask questions on how to like break mm-hmm. or hack things. Mm-hmm. And um, so, like, knowledgeable that way. But then when I sort of came up for air after school and after having a kid, I was like, oh wow, like there's a whole. I didn't know what Stack Overflow was. Yeah. And I'm like, oh wow, people are just giving answers away for free. Yeah. Like, you don't have to pay for this. Right. And so open source, I think, is so important even in the history of Black Girls Code is because when we first started, like I, yeah, I had a minor in computer science, but I hadn't been coding. Like I was a traditional electrical engineer. And so when I was pulling together this core team to help us like create the very first curriculum for that pilot program, how we did it is because um, Scratch, EDU, they open sourced all this curriculum. And so we found it on the web and we was like, oh, my God, like this is curriculum. And we took that curriculum and that's what we taught the very first class with. And so for me, uh, that's why when you were telling me when I came in that you were doing this work in open source, like that's like a special place in my heart because there would be no Black Girls Code if there wasn't for open source. We would never have been able to start. I could not have done a curriculum. And yeah. So it is important that we really have creators that look like us to keep that movement going. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I believe that too because now we have um, like organizations like basically what I'm getting at is like everyone doesn't have to start from zero. You, yeah. You, you just said this. Yeah. And like I – Starting, uh, we just got the tech stars uh, yeah. just recently. Yeah. And starting it, we get like, we got $100,000 in AWS credits mm-hmm. and credits in DigitalOcean and credits in this and credits in that. And I, I did a tweet uh, this week actually, and I was like, oh, wow, it's amazing what AWS credits does to you. Like, you you swing for the fences. You have so much confidence when you walk in the I room. Love it. Yeah. When you're like, oh, I can try a bunch of stuff and not have yep. to worry how much it costs. Right. And right. uh, that's that's what these programs and these sort of institutions and like these open source projects do for folks. It gives mm-hmm. you the confidence to be like, 
oh, they already solved that problem. Let me just solve a harder problem. Yeah. Like a step above. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And I was I was going to mention Hack the Hood. Hack the Hood is something yes, that- Yes, Hack the Hood. Yeah. So we all grew up in the same like Oakland ecosystem of like change makers. There was Black Girls Coat, Hack the Hood, Hidden Genius Project. Yes. And I feel like I'm missing- Oh, oh, um, the gaming, Game Heads. Okay. So like all of us like kind of started around the same time. And a lot of us were really like social change agents and like yeah. we just like technology as well. And so seeing the progress of organizations like Hack the Hood, Hidden Genius Project just bought a whole building. Oh, where's your building? It's on Franklin Street in Oakland. Oh, nice. They bought a whole building and now there's multiple organizations in I'm that like, building. I'm shocked because yeah. I remember visiting them at this small thing off Telegraph. Yeah, no, nah, they bought a whole building and now there's like a Best Buy lab and coding lab and hackerspace in it and several other nonprofits. And so over the 10 years, like seeing all those grassroots organizations really grow and thrive, it's like been so inspirational to see that happening in Oakland not in San Francisco, you know, in the heart of Oakland, I think that kind of speaks to, you know, like why I wear this pin, because that, I think that history of activism is something that we carry with us as innovators in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Folks like getting together in Oakland. Yeah. I love like MLK day. I love like the, um, that Juneteenth party that they've been doing the past couple of years as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I tend to, I see all the people I know, even from people from tech, people I don't know from tech, people I know from church, like they all come through, uh, even if they moved out to the, you know, to the boonies Mm -hmm. in Antioch or whatever, (laughs) Pittsburgh, uh, but they come through and it's like, it is like a family reunion. I've only been here almost 10 years. Yeah. It's a special place. And I have, like I said, I've only been here two years, but I've been like a part of community, like working and my daughter going to school in Oakland for, 10 plus years. And so for me, just to be able to build a business in Oakland has been like a really special for me. Okay. So you got Memphis is the focus now, but like what, what's next after Memphis? Well, I really wanted to get Memphis to do more than just be the first location of Black Innovation Lab. As I was saying, when we were chatting, I really want to see us be able to grow the tech ecosystem in Memphis and create a new pathway for opportunity within the city. Like it's been primarily about working at, you know, FedEx, the hub there, or maybe Nike distribution center because it's a distribution hub. But I think there's a real opportunity to make Memphis a hub for technology and innovation in the South. But then I would like to go some other places. So I definitely see places like New Orleans being on our list, somewhere in Mississippi, where there, uh, somewhere maybe Birmingham, Alabama, where there's lots of talent, but not a lot of opportunity to get yeah. into the technology industry. Okay. Yeah. I have, um, well, our, our lead of engineer at Open Sauce is based mm-hmm. in Huntsville. Ah, Alabama. And, yeah, yeah. So they, they do have the colleges out there and everything yeah. like that. And, yeah. uh, but yeah, it's like I don't even think of Huntsville as a place to go, but I'm super happy to have Brandon on the team yeah. uh, hanging out with us. But that's why I think there's an opportunity there because we often don't think of tech and innovation happening unless you look at East Coast, West Coast. Yeah. But we know that that's not the only place you can find talented people. And so being able to move the focus in some of these other places, even Midwest, with some of the things that are happening out there is, I think, where the next great innovation is going to emerge from. Excellent. Well, I'm yeah. here for it because I think All I right. think there is a shift that people are moving off the coast into the the cheaper cities, if you call them that. Absolutely. And there's a lot of incentive to like 
take it back home or to go to a city in the middle of America. Right. Because uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of space there. <laughs> there's a lot of space. There's a lot of community. There's a lot of culture. There's a lot of history. And I think those are places that make for creating safety, right? Psychological safety in a way that sometimes being in these places that are more considered tech hubs do not. And so if we can create opportunities where people don't like me don't have to leave Memphis to be successful. I think that's a great pathway to be on. Excellent. Well, I don't want to end the path here, but I think we can wind down. <laughs> All right. And uh, yeah, appreciate you coming over and talking to about your history, what you're working on next. Yeah. And uh, looking forward to, you know, staying saucy with you. And uh, All right. hopefully we can embed some, some of that secret sauce into the Black Innovation. I love that. Thank you for having me. And I'm so pleased to meet you and, and look forward to all your continued success as well. All right. Yeah. And listeners, stay saucy. <laughs> the Secret Sauce of the podcast produced in-house by Open Sauce, the open source intelligence platform, providing insights by the slice. If you're in San Francisco and interested in being a guest on the show, find us on Twitter at Sauced Open. And don't forget to check out Open Sauce at opensauce.pizza.